So the name of uh, <clears throat> this ministry is Center. So we're Centers for Apologetics Research. So I guess the obvious question would be, do you know what apologetics is? Normally we think of it as, I'm sorry. And that's not what apologetics is. It sounds plural, apologetics, but it's actually singular. And another way of putting it would be the science of apologetics. The science of apologetics. So look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And this is the classic passage for um, understanding our responsibility when it comes to apologetics and what it means. So look, first of all, I'd like to read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And we'll read it, and then I want you to, for a moment, think, hmm, I think I understand what you mean by apologetics, okay? 1 Peter 3, <clears throat> so that's everybody go ahead and, and get there. And then verse 15. So I'm going to read verses 13 to start with uh, 14. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? So you can see Peter's writing to believers that are facing persecution. Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Then he quotes from the Old Testament. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Here's our verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense, that's our word, apologetics, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So, but he says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So what is apologetics? It is to give a reasoned defense of what you believe and why. To give a reasoned defense of what you believe and why. And I don't mean, I don't use the word defense to say we're on the defensive because that's not the kind of apologetics I believe in. Uh, we are on the offense. The gates of hell should not prevail against the church. But it's the idea that when somebody says, you believe what? Or why are you like the way you are? Or however it comes up, that you can give uh, a reasoned defense explanation for, why you, for what you believe and why you believe it. Both are important. And I want to point out a couple of things here. Whose responsibility is apologetics? Whose responsibility is apologetics? And in our day, too many people answer the question, well, the professional, the pastor, the leaders of the church, we do have a peculiar responsibility to do apologetics. But every believer, look what he says. Now, he's talking to the churches, and that means he's talking to the believers, and he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. He, he's not zeroing in on the elders of these churches. He talks to them in chapter, five, in chapter 5. But this is to you and to me, to everyone who says, I believe in Jesus. And I'm ready to give my whole life over to Jesus, even if it means being killed for Jesus. 
and then somebody says, you're a loony. Why would you ever do that? Then you say, because of this. And you should be ready to tell them what you believe and why you believe it and why you're living for Jesus and him alone. So Peter says, be ready. So that means you should know what you're talking about. And you should be ready at the drop of a hat to talk to people about what you believe and why you believe. And he says, we should do it to everyone here. To, and everyone is implied there in verse 15, but it does say to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope. doesn't mean that everybody is. I wish they would, don't you? Don't you wish as you're living your life, going to work, or you're talking to your neighbor, they'll say, there's something about you. What is it? Oh, thank you, Lord. And you get a divine appointment. But it will happen. It may not happen to all of you every day, but it will happen to some of us just about every day or at some point in, in a week or, or a month. And I believe that if you and I are really fervently praying for the people that are in our lives and around us, those we know by name and those we know that they're just there, that God will, if you're serious, he will be serious and give you divine appointments and you'll be able to do. So apologetics is really a form of evangelism. It's a form of evangelizing, helping people to know why they should believe why it's utter folly for them to reject Jesus. I mean, I did that many times before I actually came to Christ. And, you know, some of you have said this, I'm sure, that uh, somebody would talk about religion to me, and I said, yeah, get lost. I'm I know I'm going to hell, and I'm going to party with the devil and all my friends there. Then I got saved, and then I realized what hell was like, and I thought, oh, no. Thank you so much, Lord, for saving me from that folly and that wickedness that was wicked, actually. So every believer is responsible to be an apologist, and we're all of us to be ready. So let's not have any lazy Christians in the building who say, well, I'll let somebody else do it. And it's, we're supposed to be ready for everyone. And it's what I, what I, thinking about it, trying to make it memorable in my own mind is, what is the geography of apologetics? Or what is the topography of apologetics? So the geography is, where do we do apologetics? And the answer is everywhere, with everyone. And the Lord is using our church to reach out beyond our local geography to the rest of the world. So remember, what was it, a couple weeks ago we had a vote on... Um, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but $300 that we're going to give to that work. And then we had another $300 that the uh, missions committee at their discretion was going to give. So giving $600 to CFAR uh, in the work there near South Africa, but Zambia, I guess that's the center. But a center is being started there, and Africa is a very needy nation when it comes to apologetics. I think I've told you this story. We support a brother in uh, Uganda and he said, told me the story when I was over there. He's so burdened about this, what's going on. He lives in the capital of Uganda, it's Kampala. And uh, a big name evangelist from here, uh, not Woodland, probably, probably from Texas, was coming in to have a rally, a meeting, a crusade. And he said everybody there went berserk. He said, sensible, solid, Believers, they all went. It was a brand new stadium they had built for the uh, previous year's uh, visit from the Queen of England because they're part of the British Commonwealth. 
And this guy flies in, and the stadium is packed out, standing room only, and people are standing outside the stadium wishing and hoping and praying they could get in. And all these people got healed. And all these people gave money. The people that were healed disappeared, as did the money. And those people are not wealthy there, by the way. That guy walked away with thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Then he went to the next place and did it again. So Brother Reuben said to all the people that he knew had gone to the crusade, what happened there? And they explained to him, oh, it was fantastic. He's such a great preacher. There was songs. There was music. There was excitement. All these people came forward and got healed and saved. He said, do you know any of those who were healed personally? He has to this day yet to meet anybody, not anybody who got healed, but anybody who even knew somebody who got healed. It was all staged. And they went to pay money to get fooled. You know who's behind that? I hope you got the right answer. Satan. So that's one of the reasons why we need to do apologetics as a normal, ordinary part of being a believer. We need to know this word, and we need to believe this word, and we need to be able to speak up and say, this is why I believe it. It's very, very important. So the geography of apologetics everywhere. And then the topography. Now, you know what topography is? It's the lay of the land. So uh, I don't mean to bore you with my, my farm, but... Um, it kind of goes like this. And there's streams, and it goes up again. And then there's woods, uh, there's fields, there's horses, there's fences, there's rocks. <laughs> Too many rocks. And steep places, that's the topography. So in our geography, what's the topography? In other words, what kinds of geographical features, that is, the pe people and places where we live, that we do apologetics. And what it is, is it's everybody that is in your life and everybody that God leads you to cross paths with in your life. And I, I just have a little list, your family. Moms and dads, you should be top drawer apologists for your kids, because the world is. But the world's an apologist for whatever Satan wants, not what we want for our children. Moms and dads, relatives, friends, neighbors, the people at your workplace, the kids at your school, social occasions. In other words, the topography is wherever you are, with whomever you meet, socialize with, have anything to do with, that you should be ready to be an apologist. And that doesn't mean, like I said earlier, that you walk around apologizing for your faith. That's not what that means. Okay? So in other words, God wants us to be ready everywhere and with everyone as God opens up the doors for that to happen. Now, let me put apologetics in a very simple form, okay? Um, I've already said it, but I want to I say it formally, kind of officially, and separate it out from the rest of the message and say it this way. Apologetics is to know what you believe, 
why you believe it and be able to defend your faith with love and skill. Now, I'm putting it this way, and this is a little bit different from where I, I got this from, but um, I, I was listening to a man named Vodi Balkum. I don't know if you've ever heard of Vodi Balkum. He's serving the Lord in Africa right now. He started a church, I think, in Texas, and then they started other churches. Very godly man, very faithful man. And he wrote a book called Expository Apologetics, and he has a, a series that's managed to be put up on YouTube. So if you want to look at Vodi Balkum's uh, YouTube, you'll get a lot of good out of it. And he, he puts it this way, but not exactly. I, I've changed it a little bit because I don't want to get fined for plagiarism or anything. So, but it's to know what you believe, why you believe it, and to be able to defend your faith with love or grace or kindness and skill. And I get that from verse 15, by the way, just as he would have or has. Um, to be able to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Notice the last few words, with meekness and fear, not proud. And fear here is not the idea that you're trembling and don't know what to say, but reverence toward God. Because you are speaking for God. And that's the idea, the beginning of this verse, but sanctify the Lord in your heart. In other words, make God the most special, revered, and honored person in your life. And that's what we do when we talk about Jesus, when we live for Jesus, when we serve our Lord out there in the world, the geography, and along the topography as we go along uh, wherever God leads us, to whomever God has us interact with, and so on. So, so you're, you're going to have to make the effort because to know what you believe, you've got to come out and hear the word of God. You've got to take the Bible out and start reading it. Uh, to know why you believe, that's a little bit more complicated. That's a little more difficult. Why do you believe in the Trinity? Because I taught you that? Or because, well, everybody around me seems to believe it. Or, yeah, I saw the word God in the Bible, Father in the Bible, Jesus in the Bible, and Spirit. So I believe in the Trinity. Do you know why you believe? And to be able to not be argumentative, but to speak the truth, even in an intense situation, and stay kind, loving, understanding, and continue always to reverence God in all that you say and all that you do. So I have a bunch of resources. I have a resource handout for you. I just mentioned a few today. Um, Vody Balkum already mentioned him. He's got good videos on YouTube. He's got a great book called Expository Apologetics. CIFAR, you can go to their website, thecenters, all one word, dot org. Then there's Stand to Reason, str dot org. Ravi Zacharias has good stuff, rzim dot org. Probe Ministries, probe.org. Answers in Genesis.org. Discovery Institute, that's discovery.org. Lots of resources out there for you and for me, all in language that you and I can understand, which we call English, right? <laughs> I say we understand it. That's, that's a little bit questionable sometimes. Now, to uh, try to make the point before I finish, and here's a question. What does it look like to other people when the time comes for you to talk about what you believe and why you believe it, and you don't know what to say. 
What's that look like to those people around you? Well, there's at least two possible results that will take place in their minds. And that's one, if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it, it's not important. If you're one of those Bible thumpers and you don't even know why or what, see you later. Not to mention that you just look dumb. And most of us don't want to look dumb. Number two, the second possible result would be, well, then what you believe doesn't hold up to investigation. Therefore, it's not true. You just believe it because you were taught, taught to believe that, or you come from America, or it was the family you're in, or the friends that you hang out with. It's, it's not going to impress anybody. It's going to do the opposite. Um, what effect does it have on other people when you don't know what to say, or maybe you do know what to say, but under the pressure of somebody who maybe is not interested or is oppositional to you, maybe even hostile, and you begin to argue and you're no longer reverential and you're no longer respectful, but you look like a hothead. You know what's going to happen? Well, at least one possible result. I thought you were a Christian. You're a maniac. <laughs> you use what kind of words? How can a Christian like you be so harsh and, and, and judgmental and hateful? Do you see what I'm saying? So the perfect book, the Bible, has the perfect um, exhortation to you and to me about how to do apologetics and that we ought to be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks us a reason for the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Last thing, moms and dads, I, I really, you know, I did this all the time with my kids, all the time, around the dinner table, um, when we read the Bible together, I always was bringing stuff up that I knew the world believed because I used to be in the world and I used to use this against the Bible. And I always tried to do apologetics with my kids as often as I possibly could. Uh, sometimes I think they must have driven them crazier. They would have said, oh, here he goes again. But this is especially important for you and your precious little ones in today's world. Because in a way, maybe not known until in this nation for, 30, for the last 30 or so years, the world is really good at stealing our children and taking them into the world. So you must prepare yourselves, moms and dads, and all of us, of course, to be able to give a worthy and full defense of the gospel and the scriptures. You, you got to be. And there's lots of resources, and you don't have to be a PhD or, or a MDiv or whatever. You just need to have a heart for God and a desire to know, and the Holy Spirit will help you to find out what you need to know. You must be also able to explain why there is happiness in Christ like there is nowhere else. Did you know that? That we're not just saved so that we can just hang in there until we get into heaven and then we'll be happy, but we are saved so that we can be mightily blessed now. Now, when I say blessed, I'm not talking about money and finances. I'm talking about when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? In other words, most happy, most fulfilled, and most content 
is the one who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus in a lost, fallen, messed up world. And you have to be able to explain not only why there is happiness in Christ like nowhere else, but you also need to, at least in a measure, be displaying that happiness in your own life as you live. Because if the world's bowling you over and knocking you over, then where's your faith in all of that? So there's a peace and a contentment and a joy that comes as we follow Jesus Christ. And if you don't have it, get on your knees and start crying out to God for it. Because if you're walking around like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm kind of happy. Sometimes. And your kids are looking at that. Your neighbors are looking at that. Like, well, what's attractive about that? But if you handle the pressures and trials of life and you're saying to yourself, this is from God. He means it for my good, and I have so much to look forward to. I'm, I'm joyful even now in the midst of this. That's attractive. That's compelling. That's powerful. So not only know what we believe, why we believe, but that we gladly believe, and we gladly are ready to give our lives and our all for Jesus Christ. Is that where you're at today, if you're a Christian? That's where he wants us to be, amen? All right, let's pray. Father, grant this to each and every one of us that we will be experts. And Lord, maybe that might be an intimidating word to some of my brothers and sisters here, and I want to be sensitive to that, but that, Lord, we will be seeking with your help, with your aid, and of course, there's no other way to be done, for it to be done, to become experts, quote unquote, or making our way to that so that we are ready to give a defense and to be able to give important reasons for those who may come to us and ask us about what we believe and be able to help others believe in you and follow you, Lord. You've saved us. Make us your instruments in reaching others. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.